0: Good morning, everyone. It's always great to see all of you on Sundays. And like Nancy said, it's great to see you other times during the week and other times that we get together. Uh, It's also great to have our daughter, Becca, here this morning uh, with us Uh, and our son-in-law, Stephen. uh, They came from Nashville this weekend. Uh, Stephen's with his family this morning. But uh, as most of you know, they moved from California to Nashville, so hopefully we'll see more of them. (laughs) Uh, to come visit once in a while. Uh, I love to to see Trinity up here. I love it when the children come up and read Scripture. And uh, one thing I noticed this morning is, if you remember in the past, she had to have a stool. And this morning, she did not have a stool. And so uh, I thought that was was great. Trinity is growing up. And another thing I wanted to share about Trinity, um, because we're talking about the love of God this morning, and I've been teaching downstairs this past quarter, and uh, Trinity got here early today, and she was writing on her dry erase board down there, and I didn't pay attention to what she had written until I left, and I noticed she had written on the board, never-ending love equals God's love. And I thought, well, that's exactly what we're talking about this morning in the message. And so uh, thank you, Trinity, for that. It blessed me, and... Uh, She also drew a nice picture of a a cross there as well. So let's open uh, God's word today to the third chapter of 1 John. Uh, We, you know, this is our third Sunday in this series that we're going through the book of 1 John. There are actually five chapters in 1 John, but um, I think next Sunday we're going to combine chapters four and five because uh, the next Sunday after that, June 5th, is Pentecost Sunday, and so... We want to focus on the coming of the Holy Spirit and and so on on that Sunday. And so uh, I hope that you open your Bibles or that you'll keep them open to this third chapter because I'm going to only read the first six verses here, but um, I'm going to actually be referring to some other verses in this chapter this morning in the message. Um, So let's read the first six verses. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him Or known him. How many uh, of these political ads have you received in the past couple of weeks? I mean, this is just like three or four days at our house. Uh, This must be the new thing uh, to send these out. And we still have a whole month until the primary. So I I think I'm going to have a lot of good uh, campfire starting uh, stuff. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I've started to get text messages on my phone from the candidates. And uh, so I don't like that at all. But uh, Eric informed me that if you reply stop to any of those, they're supposed to take you off the list and you're not supposed to get any more. So, uh, anyway, the, the sad thing about most of those ads is they're smear campaigns where they're not actually telling us what they're going to do for the state of Illinois. They're just trying to smear the other candidates that are running against them, which is always a sad part of our uh, election process. But all of those negative political ads reminded me about one of the more positive politicians we have had in in our history. And surprisingly enough, he was from Illinois. (laughs) Uh, We have had a few good ones through the years. And you probably know who I'm talking about, Abraham Lincoln. There's a story uh, that's told about an eight-year-old girl who wrote to Lincoln many years ago and told him that she thought that he should grow a beard. In her opinion, she said, you know, if he grew a beard and he hid his homeliness look of his face, (laughs) that he would have a better chance of of getting elected. Uh, Now, Lincoln, he could have been offended by that. But, you know, it's a, it's a little girl who wrote to him. And so instead, he uh, wrote her a letter back personally, and he thanked her for her suggestion. And uh, he further added that he liked to visit her when his campaign came to her, her town. On the day that that happened, uh, the train that Lincoln was on was... Uh, about to come into town and something broke down and and so they didn't quite make it there. And uh, so Lincoln gets out of the train and he walks across the field and he starts to look for where this girl that wrote him this letter lived. And uh, so uh, as Lincoln goes up, he finds the house, he goes up to the door, he knocks on the door and here this girl that wrote him the letter and her friend are having a tea party. And just try to imagine that. Lincoln goes into the house and he sits down with the girls and he has a tea party and he just just enjoys their company and, and uh, conversing with them. It's time for him to go, so he thanked them for their time and, and he went on. And uh, before he did, though, uh, he thanked them for the party and he looked at the girl and he asked her how she liked his new beard. And... Uh, Then he started to walk back to the train. You know, if there's one theme that jumps out to us in this third chapter of 1 John, it is the message that, that God's love transcends all worldly expectations. Just like a little girl having a tea party at her house would not expect a presidential candidate, especially somebody like President Lincoln future President Lincoln, to stop by for tea. The world wouldn't expect a God of righteousness to love and forgive someone who had sinned against him. But that's how great the love of God is for his children. And John begins with that in verse 1. You know, last week we talked about how the church is, is under attack these days uh, by the powers of the dark world. Um, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms is how Paul actually described it in, in Ephesians 6. But now, John, he shifts his focus to reassure us of the truth that we ended with last Sunday. And that is, even though the powers of darkness are not going to let up, they will continue to attack the church, and Christians, we will not be overcome because of the awesome love that God has for us. We sang about it earlier. In in my opinion, one of the greatest hymns of all time that we sing, the love of God. It is awesome. It's greater than we can even imagine. I don't know, sometimes maybe that word gets overused, awesome, you know, in our English language, we, we say things like, wow, that's an awesome car, or um, the Illini are sure playing awesome these days, or uh, you go to a concert, you say, wow, that was an awesome concert. We use it kind of flippantly or in ways like that. So sometimes it gets overused, but I love the word that John uses here in, in verse 1. The NIV translation, which I read, says that God has lavished us with his love. Now, you know, some of these translations, they they take a little bit of liberty to use words that, you know, sometimes may not be the exact translation of, of what the Greek was. Technically, the Greek word in this verse is translated as given us. So... How great is the love that God has given us would probably be the most accurate translation. The King James Version actually says, bestowed upon us. How great is the love that God has bestowed upon us? And I suppose in today's language we could even say, how awesome is God's love for us, because I think that's a case where the word definitely fits. But there's something powerful about that word lavish. It's not something we it's not a word that we use all the time. What John's trying to communicate is that God's love is like a never-ending spring that continues to produce water even in times of dryness, in times of drought. Verse 1 says, "How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now, it's not a question he's asking us. You know, he's not saying, how great is the love of God? He, it's an exclamation. He's saying, how great is the love of God? Exclamation mark. And so John's saying, no matter how big or how large or overwhelming your problem, the attack against you, or the situation in your life right now might be the love of God or the love that God has for you will cover you and get you through it. We know from these chapters that, you know, one of the attacks that was going on when John wrote these letters was that uh, false teachers were trying to, to lead them astray about all kinds of things, like about their sin, about righteousness. And ultimately, they were leading them astray about God's grace and forgiveness, which is key, of course. And that still happens today. But what happens even more is is when, when Satan gets in our mind and deceives us to the point that we think that we are unworthy of God's forgiveness. And verse 4 speaks directly to that here. It says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins. You see, in the world, there are favorites. You know, people often play favorites. We know that. But Jesus doesn't do that. His love is the same for the young, the old, the famous, the rich, the outcast, and the poor. Whoever comes to him and receives him as their Lord and Savior. And no sin is too large for him to cover. No failure is too large for him to redeem. And no hopeless feeling is too much for him to restore with hope. And if you have any of that baggage today, you need to receive this love that Jesus has lavished on you. John reminds us that, you know, this is how we fight off these attacks that come at us from Satan. Those attacks often try to get us to, you know, think that something is impossible. They tell us that we should be afraid. They tell us that we're too tired, that we can't go on, that that we can't do it, that it's not worth it. Or a big one is, I just can't forgive myself. I mean, those are messages that that Satan and the powers of darkness want us to believe. But in no way does it line up with God's word or what Jesus came to do for us. You see, his mercy covers us. His love is lavished on us and he will never leave you or forsake you. That's what we need to be thinking about. Think about God's love for you when the enemy tries to take your thoughts in the wrong direction. In verse 5 here, it says that Jesus appeared so that, that he might take away our sins. You see, Jesus came so that you can forgive yourself because you know that he has forgiven you. And that's a big one. He came so that you might have faith and strength and encouragement to do the things that the world says you can't do or shouldn't be able to do. But I think, you know, first and foremost here, John is is talking about the issue of sin In a lot of these chapters, these chapters that we have been looking at, he says that all of us have sinned and that we are not to remain in that sin. And remember, if you remember what John said in his gospel, John 3, 16 and 17, many of you could probably say this by memory, but I think it's always good to look at it and be reminded of it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17, I think, is just as important, where it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Words of condemnation have no place in the life of God's children who are covered in his love. Amen? God sent his son to cover those words and release us from them. And verse 16 of of this chapter today says, this is how we know what love is. Okay, so if you want to know what love is, it says this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so why, you know, why do we keep revisiting those other things? And the same is true for sin itself. It says here that we should flee from sin if we live in Jesus. I mean, we know that Jesus forgives us of our, of our sins. We are thankful for that. You know, if we come to him with a repentant heart, he will forgive us. His grace is big enough to cover anything, but he does not want us to remain in that sin. It says that, it's just like it says in verse nine, God, God seed in us uh, God's seed in us, we are as His children." And so we should fertilize that seed, and we, we should not continue to deter its growth." There was some years ago uh, that I made a, a big mistake in our backyard at our house. Um, I sprayed some weed killer, which is actually ground clear, and uh, I got it too close to this row of evergreen trees in our backyard. And uh, they all died. <laughs> they all had to be pulled out. And, uh, you know, that example there was uh, a... Was, uh, it was a, a mistake in that situation that was a forgivable mistake. Thankfully, my wife forgave me, and it's not the first time she's had to do that for a dumb mistake that I've made. <laughs> There's been others in, my, uh, in our marriage where I've done some pretty dumb things. But even, even though she would forgive me and, and we did something different in the backyard, um, I couldn't change the consequences of what I did. You know, once, I, once the ground was sprayed, it was too late. I mean, they were goners. <laughs> I couldn't go back and, and redo it or change it. But you see, what this chapter stresses is that, that God's love goes beyond the dumb things that we do. And God's love will never be given to us or withdrawn to us because of what we have done or what we have not done. Or because of who we are or who we are not. It makes me think of a song uh, from some years ago. Michael W. Smith uh, wrote these words, and I think they speak this message loud and clear. He wrote, I've been unworthy, unrighteous, unmerciful, I've been unteachable, unwilling, and unwise. But then he ends the chorus by saying, because of Jesus and all that he went through, I know that I have never been unloved. St. Augustine once said, he loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. I like that. And I like that, that Psalm 136 that Trinity read earlier because of all of those refrains. You know, after each verse it says, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords, his love endures forever. I mean, it goes on for verse after verse doing that and saying that. What a privilege it is as children of God to be able to to come to Jesus and to feel that we are loved no matter what and that we are always welcomed into God's presence. And what a great promise that was in Romans 5, verse 5 that we heard earlier where it says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we need that confidence of Christ and, and his word to fend off the lies of Satan. We, we need to think about God's love for us constantly so that we can say, it's not impossible. I can go on. I can do it. It's worth it. I'm not afraid. And finally, I can forgive myself Because I know that Jesus loves me unconditionally and has forgiven me. You know, I don't don't know what seeds of doubt or unforgiveness or unworthiness or whatever have been sown into your life by Satan or the world or maybe other people in your life. But But I do know that God's word Refutes those and Christ wants you to leave here today knowing that he laid down his life for you so that you can reject those lies so instead think about God's love when somebody tries to sow something into your life that is not of God's word think about God's love over and over in these chapters, John is trying to give us a picture of who Jesus is and you know, what that means for all of us. And I think we need to also think about how we can share this good news of God's love with, with other people. Uh, our hope, of course, is to encourage others or someone else with this message of God's love as well. So if you, if you know someone that is going through a difficult time maybe a time of doubt time of fear or loneliness you need to speak this truth of God's love over them and tell them about it this reminder is for us this morning first and foremost I believe but but I, I think it is also for someone else that God wants you and I to communicate it to and so I hope that Uh, We will be open to the Holy Spirit this morning and consider who it is that we can share that with in this week ahead. Amen? Let's go out there and let's share God's love with with the world that's so desperately needed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you uh, for your love. It is so incredible and awesome. We, We just can't hardly fathom how you can love us uh, so undeservingly and yet you love us so incredibly and so we thank you for that Lord we pray that we would receive that love and, and apply it in our lives we pray that when others try to speak uh, words of untruth and, and so on into our life tell us that we are not worthy or we're not good or whatever that you would remind us that we are your children and that you love us you've lavished your love upon us Help us to remember that and apply it to our life. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each one here today as we go forth. Uh, May we share your love with this world. And may we first and foremost make sure that we are receiving and accepting your love into our life. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.